So it seems like all movies are the same. Uh, you watch one movie, you can watch them all. Boy meets girl at a banquet, usually. That's where they usually are. Some sort of banquet. Um, and they kind of, you know, hit it off a little bit. He sees that she's probably a little interested in somebody else, but he decides, you know, I'm going to push through anyway. And he shows up to her house with flowers, opens the door, and it turns out the Joker is there and Batman, he has to turn into Batman and Vicky Valentine is, uh, is in despair. And, uh, you know, most movies are the same. That was more fun for me. I don't care. But, like, all movies have, like, an arc where there's a problem. Like, that problem. Whether the jo- problem's Joker or you wanna, um, or, or you're trying to decide whether or not to tell a, um, a woman that you're a vigilante who goes around killing people. Uh, either way, it's difficult. You have something to overcome, then you overcome it in the credits roll. Or you have something to overcome and you don't quite do it but you learn a lesson, and there you go, credits roll. And movies have arc like that. They have a story arc. They have a a, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's, I'm sorry, it's just overcoming me that I... Tomorrow, I'm driving up to Oklahoma Christian to talk about... Um, talk to a bunch of preachers about how to preach and to be, you know, less serious and maybe... Like how my topic is how does comedy and preaching merge? And I just completely bombed that first joke. We won't tell them that. We'll cut that from the video too. No, but there, everything has like a beginning, a middle, and an end in stories, and they just have a problem that they have to overcome, and then the credits roll, and 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 it's and it's been done. You know, like everything has happened that is going to happen and you just never see the hero have to wake up early the next morning or to deal with that 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 per, that person that is at his or her office the next day or what you, you don't see the next day because the problem solved and the credits roll and that's just how movies go but that's not the that's not the story of life arc that's not the that's not how things work with us it's crazy. Most of us are grieving something right now. Now, grief is not um, tragedy. Grief comes from change. Anytime you change anything, you probably go through the grieving process. The grieving process is um, is denial. It is bargaining, which is can I, how can I fix this? It's uh, anger. Which is I can't believe I can't fix this. It's depression, which is oh, I can't believe I can't fix this. And then it's sadness. I mean, not sadness, <laughs> eternal sadness. Yes, it's acceptance. <laughs> so um, that that's about how it works. And you kind of go through those those phases at different times, at different paces. Different people do it in different ways. But you all go through those phases, and you go through those phases every time there's a change. Every time. And it usually, sometimes if it's a good change, it can happen a little faster. But sometimes when it's a good change, it happens slower, too. And you'll find yourself, I, I, I have this depression in me that I don't know where it's coming from. 
and it bothers me, but we've had a good life. You know, we've had this good thing happen. You, you just, you're experiencing it. That's just how it works. I remember when Rachel and I bought the house in, uh, bought our house in Nashville, um, and we were, we were very happy about buying that house. Um, very happy to make improvements to it. Rachel, um, found a bunch of furniture at dirt cheap and, uh, we were painting it and it was a, uh, like, it wasn't a furniture from it. It was somebody gave us a table and we were painting it. And I was in the, I was outside painting this table and I was scuffing it up because that's what you do now because of the people from Waco tell you to scuff things up. You scuff it up and you, I was, I was scuffing it up and, uh, I was painting it and I was sitting on the ground painting and I was crying. And Rachel comes out into the garage and is like, why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. She asked me if I was pregnant. I said I hadn't taken a test yet. <laughs> but sometimes you're just, you, your body goes through emotions. Your body goes through like problems and you, you have to, you have to deal with it. Like, so you have to, like that, and, and that's just how life works. You have. Anger sometimes that you can't explain. You have depression sometimes that you can't explain. And a lot of times it's from the grieving process. And everybody's in a different one. And guess what? If you're grieving the same thing, two people grieving the same thing, if one's on denial and one's on anger, guess how well they, they're married? Not well. And that's the most of the problems in relationships is people are in just different parts of grief or different parts of life and they're trying to interact and a lot of times it's just not going to work out. But one of the worst things we do is deny that we have feelings at all. That we have emotions. That we feel scared or sad or alone or happy. Suppress that. And the reason you can tell that we've suppressed it is we often say things like, I know I shouldn't feel this way. What does that mean? Your feelings are almost uncontrolled. The way you feel happens to you more than it happens from you. Have you ever thought that your spouse said something horrific? What did you say? I said, I said this. Oh, I thought you said that. And if you said that, then I'm going to say this. And you, you don't as soon as you feel offended. And then all of a sudden it turns out you like what you thought was said wasn't said. You don't then just go, Oh, ah, daisies and flowers. No, do you? You feel it. You have to, you have to calm down. You have to get out of it because it's not a choice. Something perked up in you and now you've got to tame that beast. It's just gotta, and you can't. It's just gotta go back to its home on its own. So your, your feelings happen to you. And that's okay. A lot of times the problem is we just ignore them. Or we act like we're in control of them. Or we act like that's possible. And we're not doing a good job. And then we feel shame. 
sometimes when I look at the world, I feel a little lost and confused about where God is. Can I say that from a pulpit? I should have asked before. I feel a little... I, I know... I know God wants to set things right and God sent Jesus and, 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 and did some spectacular things. I know God did some spectacular things, but like from life to life, from journey to journey, people, people who, who were, um, just born into situations that they're not going to escape from. I just, I feel that. That weighs on me. And I look around and I say, where is God here? What, what's God doing here? And I, I love the Bible because a lot of times we use the Bible to kind of squish that. Like, no, see, God, God created the world and see, God's in control and see, God has a personalized, like, uh, concierge version and plan for your life and however it is, we phrase all that. Sometimes you just feel disconnected from God. And sometimes I don't know what to do about it. But the Bible, the Bible isn't against you in those moments. It's with you. Many of the Psalms are Psalms in which David is lamenting or the psalmist is lamenting, which means the psalmist is grieving a thing and expressing those feelings to God. And Psalm 22 is one we're going to spend some time in over the next few weeks. All the way up to Easter, obviously. Um, don't te- invite your friends to Easter. Uh, we will have chairs for them um, and donuts for them. Uh, but um, don't tell them we're preaching from a lament psalm on Easter. Psalm 22 begins, and we're just going to be in the first five verses. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Like I feel like right now, in this moment, see, movies happen in 90 minutes, or, you know, now I think like 340. 340 minutes. Movies happen just boom, 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 and then it's over. Things resolve. Salvation comes. And it doesn't ever feel that way in life, does it? Sometimes it feels like we're far from salvation. Sometimes it feels like we're alone in anguish. And that's not wrong. If the psalmist can feel that, so can you. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Next slide. Quicker stopped working. I've got to see. I've got a backup here because I'm prepared. And technology is fantastic. Okay, there we are. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. 
In your, in, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. God, you've done it in the past. He's going to go on and, uh, as we'll see next week and say, but in my situation, you've done it in the past. I know you're capable. I know you can, I know you can heal. I know you can save. I know you can redeem. I know you can rescue. Where are you? This morning, I don't want to give you any answers. I'm going to focus a little bit on answers next week. But this morning, I do want you to know that the questions are fine. That the confusion's okay. That the feelings are normal and that when you feel like God isn't there. Like you know you know God is and you know that Jesus is alive, but you feel like in my current situation right now, it just doesn't feel like God is there. David felt that too. Spoiler alert. Jesus felt that too. And when you feel that, Don't be overwhelmed by churchiness. Churchiness is not Christianity. Churchiness is like, I've got to feel the right things and say the right things and do the right things and put on the right face and wear the right things and let let me get, let me get all the rights in the right order. Your Christianity sometimes is going to Take you in a relationship with God that is confusing. Which is right. It's fine. Like, because if you understood everything about God, then you would have created God. But since it is that God created you, you're not going to understand everything about God. So whenever you're confused about God, it does not mean that you have doubts. It just means that God is God and you are not. And that's just how God being God and you not being God works. But you are not supposed to feel in You are supposed to love, which is in Christian, in the Christian world, is not a feeling, it's an action. You're supposed to forgive, show kindness, show mercy. We have actions we can do. We have things we're supposed to do. But a lot of times, our supposed to feel keeps us from doing the things we're supposed to do. We feel shame of, I, I don't know, I just feel lost and frustrated and, and I don't know, I'm not sure where God is. So we abandon that altogether. But look how David says it. He says, why have you forsaken me? But before he says that, he says, my God, my Jesus' words are Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew full well that God was. Jesus knew full well that God is good. Jesus knew full well, knew full well that God's, what God wanted, God would get, and what God wanted is wonderful. But Jesus in a moment felt 
a certain way and he felt the way the psalmist felt in this psalm. But I can feel anything. I can be in any grief. I can have any trial. I can have any problem. I can conquer it all because I know that God isn't just God. God's my God. That, that, to say, I'm not saying God, why have you forsaken me? I'm saying my God. God consistently does this. He, ex, he, he tells the people, come out of Egypt. He rescues them from Egypt and he says, he doesn't say here are the Ten Commandments. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. He says that over and over again throughout the Old Testament. I am the Lord, your God. I belong to you and you belong to me. That's how relationships work. And because God is perfect and God is holy, God is going to be confusing and we are going to be confused and we can tell that to anyone and you can tell that to God. And if you are frustrated with God, if you're, if you're grieving something, if you're in the midst of something that is just going, you feel like is going to ruin you, God is still your God. If you're changing something and you're afraid and you're scared, it's fantastic, it looks like it's going to be a good thing, but you just don't know if it's the right thing for you to do, the right thing for you to change, you're going to grieve that, you're going to feel that, and that is fine, and God is still your God. All of our life, the one consistent thing that's going to happen, there's not going to be many consistent things. Because some people don't pay taxes and we're all going to conquer death. There's going to be one consistent thing. God is our God. God has given Himself to us. There are ways to deal with anxiety and, sh and stress and grief and pain. There's a way to deal with unanswered questions and there's pretty good answers to those questions at times, insufficient as they may be. But... All of that aside, God is still our God. We belong to Him. We belong to God because God loves us and cares for us and sent His Son at just the right time to us. Because God is our God. You, you can begin any prayer to, G, to, to God, any, any frustration you can express any pain, God wants to hear it. I used to think, and it was taught, that there are certain prayers you shouldn't pray. You don't be selfish. Uh, you don't have, um, you don't, you don't pray for really personal things because, you know, you know, that's being selfish. So like the, 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 you don't pray for a new car. I guess in our area, it's a new truck. You'll pray for that. You know, that's not okay prayer. But then I don't tell my kids, don't tell me that. Nolan has dreams that he tells me about. Um, and the reason I can tell you that I love my wife more than I love anybody on the face of the planet is because I'll listen to her dreams when she tells them. And when Nolan tells me, I'm so bored. 
I love Nolan. It's just there's times you think, I think you're making this up. Just so you can keep talking. And then there was a chair and a wagon. Like, they're just seeing things and saying them. But he can come and tell me that thing. Now listen with this face. Um, there's nothing he can't come tell me. Nothing the girls can't come tell me. One of the things we hope to establish, especially while they're young, because when man, they are going to be teenagers so fast, is that they can confide in us anything without shame. Without experiencing shame. And we're not knocking that out of the park, I'm, I can assure you. But that's a hope. That's a goal. That they can come to us and tell us anything. That's our hope. And that tell us, when they tell us, I, I feel like you don't even love me. I've gotten that one. It was from Ruby, or dog, but it was still, I've gotten it. But no, I've, we've gotten that. We've gotten that. They, I want them to feel free to say that to us because then even though they feel that, they still feel like they can say that. What would break my heart is if they felt that in silence. We treat God like... Like God, there's there's a certain priority of things we can approach God with, but there... There's certain things, no. You just don't talk about that. If you want a new truck, and then that's the, that's the deepest, the deepest, most important, uh, surge in, of emotion in your heart. That's the thing you think about all day long. God might not get you a new truck, but you need to take your heart to God. You need to take that heart to God because God can do something with that heart because God is our God and we are His people. If you're scared about a new opportunity or you're, or you're, um, you're grieving the loss of a loved one or if, if your life has taken a really rough turn and you're trying to get it right back on the right track, you can go to God with that because God is your God and we are His people. I'm suggesting that our prayer life be a bit more raw. Be a little less sugar-coated and more sincere. Because you can't polish up pain And say, oh, well, I know I'm supposed to feel this way, so here I am in front of God feeling this way. Do you think God is ever fooled by your shenanigans? By your, by our posturing? Do you think God is ever fooled? And it's not that God doesn't want to be lied to. God's lied to all the time, like, because we lie to ourselves and God knows the truth and we don't. But when you're trying to tell yourself one thing, and God knows different, and you want a relationship with God, lay it all out there. 
God, it doesn't even feel like you're there sometimes. But God is our God. And we are His people. I know that doesn't make you happy right away, but it can make you healthy right away. Not physically, like you're not, whoop, now, you're, now you've said it, it's magic prayer, you feel better. I mean like mentally, intellectually, emotionally, laying it in front of God. One final thing, and this is just a bit of application, I want you to um, hold on to it tight. When you are feeling disconnected, and frustrated, and sad, and alone, and afraid, you are going to be worse at everything you do. Like when you're sad, you're, or angry, or about, when you're just grieving, you're going to be a worse father, mother, child, spouse. You're just going to be bad at it for a little bit. A lot of times that happens at work, right? You go to work. There's that one guy. You know, back when we used to do it, we did it this way. Oh, go home, Edward. <laughs> There's that one guy, and you're just driving home. <laughs> you know, you just have that boiling kind of... You walk in the door. Guess what Edward said today? Oh, welcome home, honey. Edward with his flared out nostrils and his funny glasses, he was yelling at me. And so you start, you lay in, Edward. Guess who's not there? Edward. Guess who is there? And you may feel better after that conversation, but I can guarantee you she feels worse. And I can guarantee you that because you feel better and she feels worse, she's going to be worse at something else, or he's going to be worse at something else. And it's going to domino. And we transfer our negative emotions from us to them, and them to them, and them to them. And you need to have some my God time on the way home. You, you do not need to walk in the door of your home without giving your garbage to God before you get there. It has to be dealt with on the way home. And you say, well, I've got my kids on the way home. They're worse than Edward. You... It does not take a lot. It does not take a lot to go, my God, I need you. Today was hard. Give me peace. It does not take a lot to interact with God on the way home. It doesn't take five minutes. It takes 30 seconds. It doesn't even take that. To just open the door to being in the presence of God and acknowledging your pain, dealing with your garbage before you get in the door. God wants that from you. So give it. God wants that relationship with you. So give it to God. God wants it. Your spouse does not want it.
Now, you may still get to talk. But the anger, the frustration, the venting, that's going to be given. It's going to be gone. And now you can have healthy communication. So whatever you're struggling with, God can handle it. So we say come forward. What we mean is, like, we're going to pray with you because we believe that God can handle it. And not just that God can handle it, but God wants to handle it. And you are His and He is yours. So don't deny Him the pleasure. Don't deny God the pleasure of you giving yourself to Him. God wants to save you. God wants to hear you. So if you need saving, you want to be united in His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Or if you need prayers, you feel like the church and God can listen to you without showing you shame, without showing you, and show you forgiveness. Whatever you need, your God loves you. He cares for you. No matter where you are, please come forward while we stand and sing.